On today's show, we talk about what to do when your child's having nightmares, particularly around family trauma. We talk to a young man who wants to stop lying, but he just can't quit. And we also talk about Instagram's new program for kids. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up? This is Como se llama Juan. This is the Dr. John Deloney Show. No, it's not Como se llama Juan. It's Me llamo Juan. I just said, what is my name, John? It's Se llama John. <laughs> Man, crushing it. I have not lived in Texas for several years, and you can tell. I hope you're all doing awesome. This is the Dr. John Deloney Show. If you want to be a part of this show, please give me a call, 1-844-693-3291. That's 1-844-693-3291. Go to johndeloney.com slash show and write in the form. Tell me what's going on in your life, what's going on with your family, with your friends, with your community, all of it. And love to have you on the show. couple of things. One, we have a new segment. It's going to be a one-time only segment called... Um, adventures in autocorrect. So here's a text that I sent um, somebody who works with me and they you consider themselves my boss because they are. I texted and I quote, I was thinking about joining forces, fill in the blank, and it autocorrected too. I was thinking about honking horses. Are you in? To which my boss said, I, I'm not super certain what honking a horse would be. You can go ahead and count me in just because I'm down, but you'll have to explain what honking horses is. <laughs> I was thinking about joining forces. So that wraps up today's segment of Adventures in Autocorrect. The second thing I want to talk about is this. Listen, we can't get bipartisan support for breathing. If somebody puts forth a bill that said, we want to encourage humans to breathe, the other side, whatever that side would be, would put a bill saying, no, we are anti-breathing. We are anti-breath. There will be no breathing on our watch. But leave it to the interwebs to create bipartisan support for something. So 44, according to this article by Mark Pratt in the Associated Press, 44 attorney generals, bipartisan support, say, what? What does this mean? Is the world solving itself? It's not. But this is kind of awesome. A bipartisan group of 44 attorney generals has written to Facebook CEO Mark the Zucks Zuckerberg, urging him to drop company plans for a version of Instagram for children under the age of 13. I don't have words for that. I do for the bipartisan thing. Hey, whatever, guys. Whatever works to get you all together, men and women, congratulations. I want to applaud everybody for saying... I hate you, but this is ridiculous. I don't have the words for an Instagram for kids. I don't know what about the data that we see over and over and over about kids consuming social media would suggest to a company, you know what we should do? We should make one just for them. It's like making cigarettes for children, right? <laughs> or making like, you know, we need beer for kids, Beer for kids that, that's more focused on kids. Maybe it's got a little fruitier flavor or whatever. Holy smokes. 
One of the attorney generals said it's shameful that Facebook is ignoring the very real threat that social media poses to the safety and well-being of young children in an attempt to profit off a vulnerable segment of our population. Oh, geez. Listen, good folks. For what, for as far as you can see, please cultivate universes where your kids interact with real people, where they are bored, where they are frustrated, where they have to go play in dirt, where they have to build stuff out of scraps of wood and rocks and glue and old buttons, where they, you know what, if it came down to playing uh, on Instagram for kids and smoking cigarettes for kids, I would rather them go play video games together. I seriously would. And you know, if you've been a part of the show for any more than five minutes, you know I just, I'm not a huge fan of that. But I would. I'd rather that. Man, let your kids exercise, go run around, play games, give them a stick and a ball and a tire and a pony. I don't care what it is. But if we can, if, if our government can decide, you know what, let's stop drinking the haterade for 30 seconds and all write a letter about how stupid and, and ill-advised this is, for crying out loud, we can too as parents. Because at the end of the day, man, the government's stepping in on our behalf. It's up to us as parents to not let kids have. <sighs> My friend came and stayed with us this weekend. We had a family come stay with us. A guy I've known for 25 years. Kids came and his daughter's in second grade. And she was just talking about all the TikTok and smartphones that her friends in second grade have. And I, I would say that's insane. That's clinically insane. It's not. It's heartbreaking. It's wrong that we had ever put our kids in that position to create a digital trail from the age of six, seven, eight, nine, and hand it to a company and say, use this wisely. Just as nuts. Don't let your kids on TikTok, guys. Don't let your kids on social media. Engage with them. Figure something else out. Okay, that's my little, I can't, good job, government. (laughs) You're not going to hear me say that very often, but good job, government. Way to go. Way to go. Jeez Louise. All right, let's um, let's get right to the calls today. Let's go out to Tim in Tucson, Arizona. Tim, what's going on this morning? How are you? I'm good, Dr. John. How are you? Outstanding, brother. So what's going on? How can I help? So in, uh, in March, my nephew took his life. And, uh, how old was he, man? He was 21. Dang, I'm so sorry, Tim. Well, I... I I really appreciate that. Um, and since then, um, my, my, my oldest daughter has really struggled with this one. They weren't necessarily close. However, it's, it's, it's hit her in a way that is, is kind of hard to, to describe. She is kind of opened up about it and said, you know, I, I wish I could have done something. I wish I could have prevented it. And then she then has continued to say that, you know, I'm afraid that, Possibly, I will then take my life. Sure. And then, I don't know, probably maybe a month ago, she started having these night terrors. And it's been four or five nights a week where she just wakes up with these terrible dreams of, you know, him being hurt. And she's trying to save him and she can't. And it's it's just been relentless. Yikes, man. Um, and so we've we've. Mm. Uh, whew. Did I think I was? This was going to be no, as challenging. You're, you're good, brother. It's hard, man. It's hard. In my head, I played this conversation out. 
multiple times that it was way easier in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so much. You should see when I try to make a jump shot. I'm always going to make it in my head until I actually let the ball go, and it never it never goes in, man. <laughs> so I'm with you. Hey, there is something, and I appreciate you saying that out loud. There is something uniquely um, um, unique about saying something out loud, and it's hard. So I appreciate you doing that, man. That's brave, brother. Yeah. Um, so where does that leave you guys, you and your wife? Where does that leave your family right now? So we have, um, you know, we, we've reached out to local counselors here. Okay. And either they don't take kids or they're booked out for, for months and months and or they don't accept our insurance. So it's only cash pay, Yep. which it's I mean, million dollars. I, yeah, I mean, and and it's not about the money. It's just about the. Um, I just want to make sure she gets some quality service. So we actually ended up reaching out to the school, mm-hmm. and the counselor got in contact with her, and it was great, and it was it was it was working really well. However, with summer approaching, yep, that ends, you know, yep. and I just I'm 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 at a point where I don't know how I can help my daughter because she doesn't necessarily want to go to another counselor and start over, yep. you know, with, with trying to, you know, progress. But I, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any practical tools you got it. that me and my wife can do to help her with these, these night terrors that she has. Man. Well, I love your heart, dude. Um, yes, there are. And, um, there's also, um, something you can do with, with the counseling, but, so give me one piece of information. How did she come to find out about this? What was, what was your, you and your wife's grieving process like? How did your daughter find out about it? Walk me through that really quick. So um, we got the phone call. It was early in the morning. Um, I don't know. It was probably 530 in the morning, 6 in the morning, our time. Mm-hmm. So we were, kids were up. We were getting, you know, ready for the day. And so went into the room. My daughter told me, hey, you know, um, he, he actually didn't even tell me at first that he had taken his life. He just said he had passed away. Um, and so me, me and my wife were like, well, let's, let's see what we can do. You know, yep. if I can fly out there. Cause he lives in Wisconsin. Okay. So that morning was, was a little hectic. I mean, but we, we didn't really, we didn't divulge that information onto them before going to school. You know, we, we needed a moment to be able to kind of, try to process what happened, you know, yep. and, and what, what our next steps were. And so we, we were as calm as we were, we could be with them. I mean, the kids could tell something was off because I was in the room, Sure, you know, telling them, Hey, stay out for the time being. Um, so walk me to that afternoon or that evening. How'd y'all, how'd y'all tell them? So I ended up flying out that afternoon. Um, and so unfortunately my wife was kind of left with the bag of, of kind of, explaining everything. Okay. Um, and she had said, you know, your, your cousin has passed away. You know, dad went out there to go be with your uncle and try to, you know, help in any way possible. And immediately my daughter went to, did he kill himself? Which Mm. right off the bat was like, Holy cow. We didn't even, you know, it was out of the blue, you know, like what, how, where did you, how did your mind even come to that? Sure. Um, you know, and so we were like, um, 
well, we're, we're not going to lie to you. You know, mm-hmm. we're, he, yes, he, 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 he did take his life and she wanted to know why and how, how, and we, we were like, you know, we don't, we don't know how or why at this point. And does she know that stuff? You know, now? It, um, we, we haven't, we, we didn't know okay. he, he, he shot himself. And so we don't, I, I it's just such a, I mean, I, but you I haven't, you haven't right. communicated that to her, right? No, we, we have how, not. I mean, we, we, I didn't ask you this. How old is she? She's 11. 11. Okay. All right. Um, and, and so go ahead. We, we, we've explained, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, the, the, the world is a hard place, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sometimes people feel that's the only way out. And in those situations, we, we need to look to, to help other people, you know? Yeah. And you never, you never know what a comment you say could either make or break someone else's day. Hmm. And, and it's, 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 it's super fine line of, of, I mean, she's still young, but obviously, you know, this is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's such a hard place to be in, you know? Yep. All right. So let's, let's back out of here a little bit and here's what I'm going to need you to promise me. Okay. I'm, okay. I want you to promise me that, um, I, I'm going to promise you that I'm going to be honest as I can with you with the best of the information I got. And I want you Absolutely. to promise me that you will look, that you will be joyful about getting new information and you're not going to walk back and try to recreate or redo something that you can't redo. Is that cool? Right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So anytime I, I could tell you story after story, after I was well-trained to walk into these situations, I would come back and think, man, I absolutely blew that. And um, I had have a, my partner and I would debrief when I would go into some of these situations and we would both go in together and we would talk about, Hey, you shouldn't have said that, or you got to ask this question differently. And so, um, I want you to know trained people still debrief and still say, man, I wish I could say this again or that again, all that. So backing all the way up, I, for an 11 year old, um, I would err on the side of this statement. When they ask, how did it happen? Why did they do that? Saying things like, um, well, some people just think that's their way out. Some people just choose that that's how they're going to do this. Um, that is a destabilizing construct for an 11 year old. Because the next question they're going to ask themselves is, well, what if I'm that kind of person? Or what if I find myself in a situation where that's the only result, um, the only thing I can do? So my st- standard answer for adults and for children is that they, they were not well. They were really struggling. They were sick. There was um, an illness in their heart and in their mind. And... Um, they came to a heartbreaking conclusion. They, they did something that they weren't in their right mind. And that tends to alleviate this idea that this is just going around and can happen to anybody and more, oh, okay, they were, they were sick. They were struggling in that way. Also, when folks press me on details, um, I would often tell people, I want the last memory you have of that person to be the last time you saw them smiling, saying goodbye, saying, I love you, saying, I'll see you later. Not with whatever imagination, imaginary media filled picture you're going to concoct in your mind of what that looks like. Cause unless you've seen that scene actually with your own eyes, it's not what you think it is. And so um, I don't give details, especially like that to children. I might yeah. tell them, 
when you get older, we can talk more in details, but I want you to remember, I want you to remember Timmy or Billy or whatever his name is. Um, I want you to remember them the last time we saw them and they were laughing and smiling before they got sick. Right. And so I say things like they died by suicide, not they committed suicide. I want to norm it that way in the same way that a kid will be terrified when somebody they know gets and dies by cancer or gets and dies by heart attack. That's scary because their world becomes a little bit less stable, right? Oh, that just happens. Uh, people can get this thing and it, and it ends this way. Yes. And so I backing out of this, uh, even another layer is this idea that, oh, so let's pause here. So the conversation from this point forward is cousin died by suicide. He was sick. He was really struggling. And um, this is not going to happen to you. Um, okay. And, w- and you can say that with the period at the end of it. Okay. And what if I get sick? What if I get like this? We're always going to be here. So if you ever feel like you're, um, that you're not doing well or you're struggling, that's why we're here. And you're going to reach out and we're going to create a space for you to reach out. You're always okay to talk to us. Right. And so what right. you're trying to do is you're trying to connect with your daughter. I'm not trying to solve her pain and hurt here. So then I want to back out one one more circle, if you will, one more, one more I don't know, another 10,000 feet here, and recognize that a common response to grief, especially suicide or especially what people imagine is a violent end, is their picture of that person gets stuck on the violence, that they are still hurting, Right. Right. And so a really remarkable exercise that you as a family could do together, um, you and your wife and your 11-year-old, is to write a letter to him where he is now, right? And so if y'all are people of faith that he's in heaven, or if you're not people of faith that he is resting gently, and he was sick, and he was really struggling, and now whew, he's not hurting, right? And we right. wish he was here so much. And writing him a letter and talking about where he might be puts a new picture in your daughter's head, whether that's in her imagination of what heaven's going to look like, whether he's in a field, but it begins to shift her heart and mind away from this guy's actively in gruesome pain right now to, oh, he's not hurting anymore. We're hurting, right? And so she's not stuck on that, that night terror loop of... There is somebody in pain and I can do nothing about it. And my body is fighting and fleeing all at the same time. And it's waking me up and waking me up and waking me up. Does that make sense? So that it makes sense. gives her a new picture for what that can look like. Right. And so um, the third thing would be being really honest with her about mommy and daddy are sad. And I want you to norm in your house what those feelings are going to be like. Give her permission to if you will, have a release valve. So maybe do a nightly check-in, uh, or not nightly, because not doing it around bedtime is good, but an afternoon check-in. Were you thinking about Billy today? I was, and it made me sad. I miss him. How did you feel? And give her space, give her an invitation to talk. Some 11-year-olds don't verbalize that well, and so maybe draw on a picture, right? Um, giving her an opportunity, or y'all just color together or something, but create five or 10 or 15 or 20 minutes a day in the afternoon um, or, or in the morning where y'all can have some space together just to process out loud and let her see you grieving and let her get a model of what grief looks like, that it's okay. I'm not bananas. It's okay to hurt. Mommy and daddy are sad too. 
and then recognize her entire world has shattered in that right. people just die. Does that make sense? It becomes existential too. Um, <clears throat> and so writing him that letter, letting her create a new picture. And by the way, in that letter, you can, she can say, I'm really mad at you that you did this. She's allowed to say that. She can be mad at him. It can be heartbroken. It can be um, any number of feelings. All those feelings are okay. Getting them out on paper gets them out of your head, and you can see them, right? And that comes back to one last important thing that I want to pass along. Um, man, you mentioned that um, some people just make this decision. I want you to be really cautious about giving her weight. You never know if you just say the right thing or the wrong thing. For an 11-year-old, every decision just became life or death. Every conversation. Yeah. And so I don't want an 11-year-old walking around bearing the weight of, if I don't say this thing right to whoever, they may die. Does that make sense? Um, that, that does. And I get where you were, your heart was awesome. Your heart, cause here, here's, my, here's my other thing. I tell my son all the, day, all the time, you have the opportunity to shine a light into somebody's day. Every time you interact with them, that is a different weight than you <laughs> at any moment. You could say the wrong thing and they're going to die. Right. They're just going to. Yep. <laughs> so one, so I would, uh, I would shift that conversation and maybe even say, Hey, I said this the wrong way. You are not going to ever be responsible for somebody taking their life. 11 year old right. child. You're not, you don't have that kind of power, right? If somebody chooses to take their life, they've got a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Uh, if somebody else dies by suicide, there's a, so much other things happening there. Um, but what you can do is you can make somebody feel loved. You can shine a light in somebody's soul. And so we in the, our house, we're going to be about making sure that the waitress knows that we value her, that, that the guy at Burger King, we love them, that that knucklehead who keeps driving too slow in front of us that we're going to, you know, we're not going to yell at them and model for our kids that we can't control our temper. That is a different way to shift that conversation than, than tagging your kid. With that. Does that make sense? It, it does. And awesome. and that's, I mean, over, it has definitely, that conversation has shifted in that direction. Awesome. 100%. That's good. So what, what and last, we have, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please. I would say one last thing I would shift you uh, or shift to you is this about your teacher. Ask your school counselor for an a referral in the city. Have you already done that? We have. Okay. Um, and we we don't live in Tucson. We're we're like two hours south, so we're in a smaller community. Okay. And it's yeah, they're, they're they're just there is not any options here. It would it would have to be going up to Tucson to try to find someone. Okay. And she, she did not know of anyone there. So let's do this. We can have some fun. Um, you can turn it into a fun conversation or a thing you're going to do as a family, but I want you to go to betterhelp.com slash Ramsey. And if you can't get in person, they do have online counseling and they have a special deal that we've, they worked out for listeners of this show. And, um, oh, it's, uh, it's, um, betterhelp.com slash Deloney. And D E L O N Y, and they will give you a discount and on the first month uh, of of counseling there. But you and her, y'all could talk to a therapist. You can put it up on your TV screen at home so she can watch it and be interacting with it. And you can get some more practical tools and tips there. But my hunch, my gut tells me that 
you guys sit down and have these conversations with her, write him a letter, have her imagine where he is now that he's not actively hurting anymore. Um, have a nighttime routine, talk about this in the daytime, not right before bed. So that that's the last thing she's thinking about begin to, and then more, most importantly, model for her what grieving looks like, what healthy grieving looks like. And of course, if these night terrors continue, if she starts getting more anxious, you see weight gain or weight loss, you, you see her beginning to become a shell of herself. Um, a hundred percent reach out, do what you got to do. You can do half day intensives. There's all kinds of different programs. If you got to drive to a new city, start with betterhelp.com. Um, but make sure you are reaching out and a high five to you guys for reaching out to your school counselor. That's fantastic. Um, but try those things and then give me a shout back. Let me know how those things go. And um, I'm really grateful that you are trying to do right by your daughter. And don't neglect your own grief here. You lost your nephew, and that's heart heartbreaking. All right, let's take a, another call. Let's go to Christopher in Butte, Montana. Christopher, what's going on? Hi, how are you doing today? I'm all right, brother. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, thanks for taking my call. You got it, man. Um, so what's up? Okay, well, um, just to probably make something brief that's a bit more than brief. Um, ever since I was a kid, I'm 23 now. Good. Okay. Ever since I was a kid, 12, 14, um, I've always been almost too good at talking to people. And that has since, probably since I was 14, 15, has almost made me a compulsive liar. Um, And it's dug its nastiness into my marriage. And I don't really know, well, I know how to fix it, but I'm scared to, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I really just don't know what to do. Um, awesome. So that, that's why I'm calling. Well, dude, this is hard, and I've been there. I had the same challenge growing up. And um, I watched a an executive self-destruct with the same problem, and I had a ringside seat to, oh, this is what how this ends. And it was almost like a light switch in my life. Um and so I'm grateful that at 23, you're able to recognize this in yourself and want to do something about it. Um, backing up, man, why do you believe that this true story of you, Christopher, is of less value than the concocted story that you tell? Um, that's a deep question. I feel like... Um I feel like I'm a fairly smart person, and in a lot of circumstances, I know what the right thing or what I should be doing is. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, for some reason, maybe laziness, maybe um, something along those lines, I don't do what that right thing is. But I don't want to admit that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so give me an example. Uh, let's see. Um a really good example. This is one of the big ones that I'm trying to figure out how to deal with. Um, so my wife and I were going to school right now um, mm-hmm. online, and uh, I'll be honest, school has not been my forte. That um, we're college, it's been really rough. Um, but I haven't figured out how to tell my wife that uh, um, she's a big believer in making sure we have a degree, and we're doing fairly well. I'm a store manager, but uh, regardless. I, uh, I guess I'm scared to tell her that, if that makes sense. But that, I, that, that's what, I, and that's what I'm told I, her that. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get to the root here. There's a story yeah. that you've been told, and that over time you've adopted, and you tell yourself, 
that the things that you want to do in your life aren't valuable or aren't worth or aren't enough. And so you create personas that you are a little bit tougher, a little bit faster. You hooked up with a few more people. You ran a little bit faster than you actually did. You scored a few more points in this, whatever the things are. And because at some deep level, the narrative that you've adopted is Christopher, what Christopher wants is not good. What Christopher wants is less than. And so you spend your life creating an alt universe for everybody around you. Yeah. And then what happens when you're living an alt universe, you start living multiple alt universes. And the only thing that tamps that down is addiction. And the only thing that tamps that down is stimulation somewhere else. Right. And so when you are, um, I'll just use your example, right? And you can tell me if I'm out to lunch here. You don't like being in school. You would rather not be. You know that your wife really values it. So you miss a class and you miss another class. And then you don't do super great on assignment. And then you don't tell her. And now you got a secret between you. You planted a seed and it's a secret. And then you've had that weird feeling when she says, how was school? And just you blurt out, cool, man, going great. How's that test? It was good. And now that secret, you watered it, right? And now it's growing up between you. And then you feel that gap and that distance. And the only thing that makes that gap and distance go away, it doesn't make it go away, not burn a hole in you, is pornography, talking to somebody else at work that you can be flirty with, another drink, another drink, just watching uh, episodes after episodes. You start having to fill that gap with something else because you've, you've, created a a gap in the relationship am i am i on to something am i right yeah okay if you are okay um not that i've lived this but i'm just saying right so here's what you got to do there's only one way through this and you know what it is right Mm -hmm. but it's it's you think you know what it is but you actually don't it's gonna be a little bit different first and foremost you got to come clean on all of it and the, the story you just told me about school is the most sanitized one of these things. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. What's the one giant um, thing that you're holding on to that you haven't told her? Um, well, I, there's two. Okay. Um, and one is sort of a root of all of this. But the first big one is I. it's school-related. I've basically I'm on the verge of getting kicked out. Um, And the second one is pornography related. Um, Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Yeah. And did you cheat on her when y'all were dating? No, that is one line I've never crossed. Fortunately. (laughs) All right, good. Um, All right. So here's what we're going to do. You are going to have that conversation with her. You're going to let her know it's coming. Okay. And you're going to tell her, hey, we have to talk about some hard things, and so I want you to clear your schedule, and um, it's going to be a couple hours, and I've got some stuff I need to talk to you about. Number one, she's probably going to know more about this than you think she does. Occasionally, people are totally blindsided, but often not. Um, And then number two, before you have that conversation, you've got to get with a male friend of yours, a guy friend, and tell him everything, all of it. And you have mm-hmm. to commit to somebody, not your wife, that this is the last dishonest thing you ever say and or do. 
period. Okay. The only way forward is um, to keep a sentence in mind that a, a, a mentor of mine gave, it, it told me. His name is Randy Harris, and he said, the greatest question anybody can ever ask themselves is this. Is integrity something you can sort of have? Is integrity something you can mostly have? And I don't draw a lot of hard lines, but I do draw a hard line about that. Because dishonesty and stealing destroys people. And if you just tell your th- this to your wife, you are too smart and too quick, and you will wrap this up. And she wants so hard to believe in you that she will buy whatever box of crap you're trying to sell her. And you know that, and I know that. So you've got to bring somebody else into this conversation that's going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. It'd be really cool if it was your dad, or if it was her dad, or somebody of high importance that you really want their approval. You really want them to speak in your life. But my guess is one or both of those men probably contribute to this challenge. So that might not be the best. If you've got a spiritual mentor that you trust, if you've got um, an older, wiser gentleman that you trust, an old college professor, somebody that will speak into your life and will call you regularly and say, are you still telling the truth? Right. Or that when you do slip up and lie, you can let them know, hey, I screwed up today. Almost like an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Now, are you actually going to do that or no? No, that actually sounds like something I want to do. Okay. It's a, I don't know really how to explain it, but, and I mean, maybe you have heard this or can understand it, but it just, it's a lot to, yes. It's like, I'm always worrying about it, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's weird. I've never talked about this out loud. So this is a, it's a lot. <laughs> yes. It, it's a ton, right? And you will, um, you'll feel better after this call. You'll feel better after this call. You will know, um, because here's the thing, you're carrying around a sack full of bricks, man, all the lies, but beneath the lies is this narrative that what I want and what I value doesn't matter. And so I've got to keep everybody around me happy, and the way I keep them happy is by giving them all stories, different versions of myself. you got to stop. Today, I will never lie, I will never steal again. And when I slip up on one of those, I'm going to go to the ends of the earth to make it right, to call it out be over the top about it okay appreciate your bravery christopher today's the day here's what i want you to do i want you to um make that declaration today call somebody today talk to him about it and then let your wife know we're going to meet this weekend we need to have some direct conversations and by the way don't flunk out of school don't flunk out of school there's no professor on earth that wants to flunk you out of school that's you deciding I'm going to make a statement. Don't do that. At the very least, go to your professors and say, hey, I need to take a incomplete. I need to talk about this. I haven't been doing my work. But don't choose to flunk out of school, man. Um, that's choosing to take one of those bricks out of your backpack and just hit yourself in the head with it. That's, that's a waste of time. All right? So you're on it down. You're on the America's clock. The dishonesty stops today. Right? All right, everybody. We'll be right back. Stay tuned on the Dr. John Deloney Show. All right, we're going to take an email here from Kevin. Uh, this is Kevin is uh, is the guy that we're using here, but I get this email a lot, so I want to take a moment to talk about this. I he- Kevin writes, I hear you use the word season when describing a time of life that somebody is in. My buddy Todd hates it when I say, hey, it's just a season. He's like, drives him crazy, <laughs> and that makes me happy. 
Kevin asks, what constitutes a season? What is the time frame? Here's the time frame. Whenever you want, whatever it's going to take for you to get to the end of whatever you're in the middle of, right? That sounds really vague and it kind of is. Here's the key to identifying seasons. It's this one magic word, intentionality. Here's an idea uh, or here's an example. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to go on a new weight loss program. I want to get my health back and I'm going to meet with a weight loss coach, a nutritionist or with a doctor or with a local trainer, whatever the thing is. I know for a season, my life's going to be really uncomfortable until my body adjusts, until it makes its move, right? Or I'm starting grad school. I'm going to sit down with my wife and say, this is a two-year program or it's a doctoral, it's a four or five or six-year program. What does that mean for us? That means weekends are going to be hard to come by. We're going to have to intentionally schedule date nights. We're going to have to intentionally schedule time with the kids. We're just going to have to be intentional about this. That means on weekends, she's going to have to be intentional about spending time with other friends That because I'm not going to be there. We may have to intentionally um, find someone to take care of the yard, whatever that happens to be. It's just recognizing and calling out the season, right? Here's, here, here's the, where that metaphor comes from. We don't say when summer rolls into fall and into winter, we don't say that summer's broken. It's not. It naturally moves to winter. And it's a season when things are really cold. It's annoying. It's freezing. You got to wear coats and you can't just run outside and whatever. Same kind of thing. All right. So in a season of grad school, in a season of new job, in a season of somebody's pregnant or we have a two-year-old and a one-year-old and now we're, she, my wife's pregnant again, whatever that is. And we're in a season of chaos. That's okay. It's knowing it's not going to be this way forever, but it's just that way right now. And we're going to plan accordingly to right now. Remember when you were a little kid and the, and the basketball coach said, we're going to run 100 laps. You could do that because you knew the number. What you couldn't do is when the coach said, we're going to run until I get tired watching you. I would rather run 50 laps knowing I'm going to run 50 than run 20 laps and not ever have a guess. Right. And the coach just keeps blowing that whistle. Go again. Go again. Go again. Right. He's making you tough, making me crazy. Right. So a season is just identifying here's the time period. Here's the stressors we're going to be under. Let's call them out. Let's put them on the table. Let's put them on the calendar. Let's put them in the budget. Let's put them in our hearts and minds and let's plan accordingly. And then we're going to plan a big celebration. Right. Disney World's at the end of this thing or the movies or ice cream or whatever the thing is, is at the end of this thing. And we're going to mark it as a season right? That's all that means. So you decide when you're going to be intentional and how you're going to be intentional and what that's going to look like. Thank you for the question, Kevin. So grateful that you asked. Um, if you have more questions like that, man, ask John at RamseySolutions.com. Send them in and we'd love to hear from you. All right. As we wrap up today's show, I'm going to actually start rolling in. Um, we're, we're about 130, 140 shows in. I'm going to start getting into my heart a little bit. These are songs that actually are my favorites of my favorites. Throughout the last 120, 130 shows, I have sprinkled in some of my real favorites. The next couple of shows, here's some actual real favorites. This is off the 1982 Nebraska album, one of the greatest records ever made. Uh, I don't have it up. Sometimes I even have it up here. <laughs> Kelly's booing me. Boo. It's Highway Patrolman by Bruce Springsteen. He writes, My name is Joe Roberts and I work for the state. I'm a sergeant out of... Perrinville Barracks number eight. I always done an honest job, as honest as I could. I got a brother named Frankie, and Frankie ain't no good. Yeah, me and Frankie laughing and drinking, and nothing feels better than blood on blood. 
taking turns dancing with Maria as the band played Night of the Jonestown Flood. Jonestown Flood, I catch him when he's straying like any brother would. Man turns his back on his family. Well, he just ain't no good. Stop what you're doing and go listen to that song. Put some headphones on and listen to the words. If you don't have a tear in your eye, you should probably go see somebody. This has been the Dr. John Deloney Show.